Welcome to Your Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the game changers and experts to tackle the next chapter of your life. Whether you want to start a business, pivot in your career, or get in the best shape of your life, I provide the guests to draw tactics, insight, and inspiration from to conquer your next chapter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My guest today is Angie Sanchez. She's a certified health coach from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. When I spoke to Angie on the phone prior to this conversation, she told me about a concept called bioindividuality. As soon as I heard it, I knew I had to have her on the show. Bioindividuality is about treating every single human being as a unique person as opposed to a blueprint. Too many workout regimes, diets, even medical programs treat people as a blueprint as opposed to a unique human being that has specific wants and desires. Angie works with her clients to tap into the aspects of lives that are missing, whether that be emotional, physical, relationships, or spiritual. She does a deep dive into lives to identify which parts are lacking. By asking the right questions, she's able to get their clients back on track and fired up in their lives again. So without further ado, here's Angie Sanchez. I got Angie on the line here from Miami. Angie, thank you very much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm really excited for this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for our conversation. We've uh, had the opportunity to exchange some emails and you know talk about it before this, but I really feel it's going to be a great conversation. I want to start off by asking you, this is what I do with most of my guests, if your life was a book, what would be the title of your book? Hmm. (laughs) It would definitely have to be summed up by one word. And from that one word, I would come up with a title. That word is resilience. Um, I would probably title it something like the art of resilience. Um, Why resilient? I believe, well, I think it's very important to become familiar with that word because it, it basically defines you getting back up after falling down. And I think that the manner in which we do that is so important and says a lot about who we are, especially in that moment. And having to do that over and over and over again, you, you kind of become better at it. And um, we, I do believe, as that quote says, that we are truly defined by the way we get up um, after falling, by the way we rise. And um, I've been having to, to do that a lot in the last year or so. And it's really cool to see how far you go from, you know, when you first really had to start doing that to like having to do it over and over and over again. And having your awareness and your perspectives change in the in the process of it, um, and I, I think there's so much empowerment in in resilience, and this is something that I talk about with my clients all the time. Like, you don't just you know sign up with me to get healthy. That's that's part of it for sure, but you sign up with me because you're gonna fall on your ass a thousand times. It's going to happen. Let's accept it. Let's acknowledge it. Let's think it's, it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to teach you how to get back up every single time so that when our work together is done, 
and it happens for the rest of your life because it will it's part of life now you know how to get yourself back up where i'd like to ask you where did you learn your resilience from where does that come from in you i think a lot of it comes from one of my superpowers which is intuition so i think that that just kind of leads the way most of the time and um you know definitely my environment would be um a second thing i would say that has a lot to do with it for me the people you surround yourself with um you know you're you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with so that definitely plays a role in you know how you get up every time and i just i even say environment by not just people the books you're reading um you know the content that you are you know um seeing online the videos the conferences that you go to the things i do to feed my mind and my soul have a lot to do with that as well um it it gives you different perspectives and you get to just become familiar with all the options that you have to choose from and know that you don't have to fall apart because i believe when something happens to you you only have two choices and we overcomplicate things by saying that like we have a thousand choices to pick from and then we like stress out about it and no it's only you only have two choices you either fall apart or you don't you keep going or you stop yeah it's kind of like when when they say um being strong like you can't see how strong you really are until it's the only option that you have yeah i've experienced a lot of that lately so I just finished cool. reading The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday and he totally talked about that mm-hmm. where you know every obstacle is an opportunity. You can look at it as something that's going to be a roadblock and stop you from moving forward or he gives endless case studies of presidents and famous people, people throughout history that use opport- obstacles as opportunities to keep moving forward. That's awesome. That's definitely a book I would be interested in. Is he the same guy who came out with or is going to come out with um is your enemy ego yes it's basically in pre-sales right now yeah 100% yeah I'm totally getting that book for the audience members listening talk a little bit about the chapter that you're on right now what is your life look like what do you do in your day-to-day and who do you work with so I'll start with the first part of the question what chapter am I on right now having to pick just one is is a, a little bit difficult but i think i can sum it up in saying that i'm definitely in the process of becoming whole so if i had to title it a chapter i would say becoming whole awesome where it's it's, it's if you want to get a visual just think of a circle that's almost completed <laughs> is it like 90% um, complete or like 50 how far along is the circle? Um it's definitely more than you're halfway. Okay. You're on a good And I think that um yeah, and I think that 100% is not the objective for me because then you know there's no like fun in that. <laughs> and the reality is we never stop so, learning, right? So it's it's never 100%. No, no, I 
we are all students of life till the day we die. And I'm, I'm really, I can't say that I'm very much enjoying the process. And I think that we either make it difficult for us or we don't. We either make it fun for us or we don't. And we have that power to choose what these processes look like. And I have absolutely chosen to make it as epic as possible. So becoming whole is the chapter that I'm on right now. And not so much finding myself. I, I'm actually very blessed to be in a good place and knowing who I really am, which has led me to actually enjoy the process of becoming whole. Uh, but definitely completing that circle is kind of where I'm at right now. And talk a little bit about your business and the coaching that you do. Okay, so I am, my official title, what I was certified in is Integrative Nutrition Health Coach. All that means is that I approach nutrition and health from an integrative standpoint, which means that food and, I'm sorry, health goes beyond the plate. It goes beyond the food. So teaching people how to eat and about nutrition is, is secondary to, to the journey. And so when people, I mean, I, I get people from everywhere that come to me and hire me for so many reasons. So I can't even just like say, hey, people hire me just for this because they hire me for so many things, which is cool because it goes hand in hand with the fact that it's integrated. It's many things that are involved in, in the process. So my business, um, my objective as a coach, no matter what with any client, is to teach them how to lead their own life to become a leader, not search for, you know, external circumstances that are going to help them in, in happiness and leading and health. No, I teach you how to find these answers and I teach you how to figure it out by yourself so that you know how to do it and you don't have to hold somebody's hand for the rest of your life because there's so much power in being the leader of your own life. I see all the time people they just accept their lives. They don't lead their lives. They, they are owned by their circumstances and they should be owned by their vision. And it's something that I've become very passionate about because in this process of me becoming whole, I have absolutely taken life by the balls and just, you know, I've led my life and my life looks the way that it looks right now because I've chosen it to, to look that way. Prior to this interview, I spent a fair bit of time on your website reading about you, digging into you. Mm -hmm. You have a program called True You. You teach people Correct. how to get into alignment with themselves. How do you do that with your clients? So I chose the name True You because I believe that getting to the core of who you really are is the key to optimal health. I believe that the journey of self leads to a journey of health. And I start with very, very simple questions. What do you like? What don't you like? What makes you tick? What doesn't make you tick? What turns you on? What turns you off? And by the way, I do this with foods, with hobbies, activities, um, even things that they can't imagine would be part of the journey. Like if you like butterflies, 
um, if you like horses, if you like calligraphy, I want to know what sets your soul and your heart on fire and what completely just you want nothing to do with. Because I believe in finding out who you truly are will let you know what works for you. You're not, you're now not treated as a blueprint. You get to function and design a life that you love, starting with who you really are, starting by, by just figuring that out, because most people don't take the time to do that. They just kind of follow what other people say, what their doctor says, what their trainer says, what their nutritionist says, what the article on this website says, what this book says. And yeah, those things are great. I'm not putting any of that down. You know, it, it, you can either choose to let it influence you or not. But what about, on top of that, actually seeing what works for you from, from coming from you? And so we discuss that a lot because it's important to, you know, break through those layers and, and see kind of the magic that lays under there. And so you're... So I start by questions, just simple questions. You, and this process starts with food and also the spiritual side as well, and like people and what they're doing, right? So it's yeah. not just totally about food. It's also diving into deeper levels and looking at the emotional and the spiritual side as well. Yes, I, I uh, function using a concept I, I call primary food, uh, which the, the program that I was certified in, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, IIN, they, um, are, they introduced that concept, and I'm, I've definitely adapted it to my program. And I start by using that concept, and everything kind of falls under that concept, which all that means is that we have four primary foods and they are relationships, career, spirituality, and physical activity. So I start with you by dissecting and going deep into those four areas of your life and seeing where the imbalances are. And I work with you to correct those imbalances because once that happens, your food, which is secondary, just starts to fall into place. Um, your primary foods are the foods that, that feed your, your mind, your body, and your soul at the same time. They quench that thirst for life. Um, and I think that we, we don't look at that often. And, and a very great example of that is just if you know someone that you see they eat so perfect. They count every calorie. They, you know, they don't put processed foods in their body. They eat so healthy and they're so, you know, on top of their nutrition, but they look so miserable and, you know, they're unhappy, you kind of ask yourself, you know, why? You seem to have it figured out. You look great. But what about primary food? Have you addressed that? And that's something that unfortunately in our society, doctors and, and you know, nutritionists and things like that, they don't have the time to, to go deep into that. So we are essentially the missing link between doctor and patient. And it's something that I take a lot of pride in because I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't care about food. Of course I do. If, you know, food is information. It, it talks to your DNA and it tells it what to do. For sure, food is important. But it's secondary because primary food overrides it. And I think that conversation needs to happen first if you want to achieve optimal health. 
Yeah, I was talking to one of my other guests in like a pre-call for a podcast. I don't believe it was you, but she was telling me how she wrote a post on Facebook how like somebody's mom passed away and she ate raw food, exercise was really healthy, but died of throat cancer. And so really felt that like all her efforts that her mom made like went to waste almost. But then she kind of said, well, what about the emotional side? It's almost like, you know, you can do all the physical things right, but it's like even still if you eat raw food and take care of your body, if there's some kind of emotional pains, cancer can manifest through that as well. Because it's not just about physically doing all the right things, it's about emotionally being present as well. I'm so happy you said that because what you just said is very controversial. I love controversy. And so do I. That's, and that's why we're having that's this that. conversation. Because Peter might completely disagree <laughs> with me on that I statement, have, and that's fine. I, I highly agree with you. And when I have to bring that up to people sometimes, they have a difficult time digesting it. I believe wholeheartedly that pain, emotional pain, if not addressed gets buried deep into your bones, your muscle, your body. It manifests into many things. It's sometimes not even cancer, sometimes other things. And I believe I believe that so much because I, I you know, I've seen it. I've seen it happen with, you know, people who like you mentioned that example are so healthy. And as a matter of fact, um I have a friend who her childhood best friend that, you know, they were inseparable. Um, her mom just died of cancer. But this lady was like your typical triathlete, you know, abs, ate perfect, was like number one mom to her kids. And she, she I mean, she eats probably better than me. <laughs> I've never seen, I mean, she, this lady was like Iron Woman. And she got diagnosed with cancer a few months ago, and she just passed away. And she was in her, I want to say, mid to late 50s. And you wonder why. So I started to ask my friends, because I'm not friends with her childhood best friend, but I started to ask my friend about her. And she started talking to me about her childhood, about the divorce she went through with, with the father, and the fact that he's, um, you know, remarried and, you know, it's just so many things that must have been buried deep inside that woman's body that she just never addressed that promotes. I mean, she she could have seemed happy, which she did, but was so unhappy inside. And that says something. It says a lot. It says so much. It, it, exactly. And it's just by me doing what I do, I create the space for that because I want you to talk about these things. And I want you to value them sometimes a little bit more than food because the food just, like I said, it just kind of falls into place when we address these things and fix these things. Food, food is not going to fix the problem. When we talked initially, you said you started off having a lot of female clientele and lately you've noticed that a lot of men have come over into your practice and you've asked some of them, you know, why did you come to me? And one of the things that came up was that, well, basically they didn't know who they had no one to talk to or who to talk to, right? And you can maybe t tell a little bit better than I can. But I find that very interesting. So what is going on with them? Why, what are you finding in your practice? And what are they not able to talk about currently with their friends or family in their lives? That they cannot 
fulfill this protector powerful role because they feel weak, they're unhappy and lost. And they have an issue even speaking about it to their wives. And um, I've had them tell me like, don't even tell anybody that I'm hiring you. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> if this is going to be an issue with your wife, you know, we, we definitely need to address that first because you have to be completely comfortable, you know, signing up for this journey. So what I am seeing are patterns of what I just said and, and they're patterns and it's happening where I started off having maybe two or three male clients and now the ratio is like 60 to 40. And I'm seeing them just say these things. It's, it wasn't even an option for me, Angie, to hire a male coach because guys can't talk about these things to each other. And I, you know, I just don't know what else to do. And then, and for the most part, they, uh, they approach me under the pretense that I'm a life coach. Uh, and I'm not a life coach. I want to make that very clear because people use the, the terms health coach and life coach interchangeably. And I am not a life coach. And the, the biggest distinction I will make so that people can understand that is that a life coach, for the most part, they are, uh, their objective is to help their clients achieve peak performance. And that's fantastic because I believe that too. I, I use life coaching principles in, in my coaching for sure. But my objective is a little bit more specific, whereas I believe that in order to achieve optimal health, I'm sorry, in order to achieve peak performance, one must achieve optimal health. That's the avenue that I travel through to achieve this peak performance that we talk about. So I make that very clear when people are hiring me, especially men, because they especially think I'm a life coach. So, um, you know, I, I tell them that and, and they're just like, okay, well, whatever you've got, I, I need it. You know, I, I need the space to talk about this. I didn't want to hire a therapist because, you know, I just, I thought this would be much more beneficial. And, and it's sad to say most people, including the, these men, they come to me because they're like, I just want to be happy. It's that simple. I just want to be happy. Well, a big part, and I talked to you about this beforehand, was I came out with my sexuality on a podcast a little ago, and a big part was for two reasons. One, my own personal happiness. I was struggling with so many inner demons and problems. But two, just to invite other people to have conversations that are really challenging. Like at that point, I already had some people in my life that I was talking about it, but it's not easy coming forward with these issues, especially as a man now where the the male role stereotype has just changed so much, right? That, that viewpoint of what a man is in modern society has been, you know, it's shifted a lot, right? And we've talked about Connor and man talks. And so it's that movement. And I think men need to have more conversations around it. And a huge part of me coming forward was just, let's talk about this, right? It's like, there's so much shame behind this, but if I can invite others to have the difficult conversations, I feel so many men are suffering. And this is what I feel you're finding in your practice that we're just not having the conversations to really allow men to be their best self. And it's because there's this stigma behind having the conversation right. or it somehow makes you less of a man, less of a person. And it's, it's, you know, looked down upon and no, I think, dude, <laughs> I mean, I can go on forever about this. Being vulnerable is so powerful. It's so incredibly powerful. 
when you are who you really are and you get to be that, you give permi uh, people permission to do the same thing. And it, it takes so much courage and bigger balls to be open than to be closed. So being vulnerable is probably one of the most powerful things that you can be. There's so much power in being vulnerable. And I promote authenticity at all times. So I, I'm really happy that, that you came out and... I think it's so beautiful to get to be who you are. Oh, 100%. And that's exactly, like, I felt less of a man, right, because of my sexuality. And that's the big reason why I didn't talk to people about it or really come forth with it because I thought my masculine would be less, right? There was, like, something unattractive or wrong with that, right? And as opposed to just embracing who I was and really living with who I am. No, I, I even think it makes you more attractive. Vulnerability is the new sexy. That's the <laughs> People actually, the people I thought would turn their back, yeah. they did, right? And it was so interesting. No. And then you attract people who are 100% authentic and living as who they really are. That's who you start to attract. And, and those people you're going to see are so okay with you doing the same. Not so much that, that even they're okay with it. They love it and they want to be around you because you are being transparent and you're being exactly who you are at all times. So they know they're going to get that from you. Agreed, 100%. Going back to your clients, so when the, they talk to you about, you know, being a protector, provider, and they're struggling with this identity, and they're maybe having, I don't know, is it identity crisis is the correct word or terminology, how do you help them through that? Because I feel there's a lot of men that feel like their role as a provider has shifted. So how do you walk your clients through that? So, as I mentioned before, uh, it starts with asking the right questions. And um, when I say right questions, so, I mean an empowering questions. It's very questions. specific to each client, then, basically. You start off with the questions and go from there. Yes. it's. Uh, I don't have a one-size-fits-all program. Uh, me and clients design their program together as we go, and it evolves organically. But I definitely start by asking the right questions, which means asking them empowering questions because people are constantly asking themselves disempowering questions. Why am I so lost? Am I ever going to figure this out? Why am I a piece of shit? You know, this happens all the time. And I'm like, why don't you try flipping that to instead of asking yourself, why am I so lost? Ask yourself, what, what can I do right now to take one step closer to being found? You know, I, I start with empowering questions like that. And then people, when they come to me with the I'm so lost, okay, that's, that's cool. I also ask them, start with what you know. What do you know for sure about yourself? And this is something that I did, so I know it works. And I'm going to tell you exactly how I did it. And nobody told me to do this, by the way. I just I was faced with the either you fall apart or you don't yep. scenario. And I was like, okay, Angie, what do you know about yourself? I know for a fact that for as long as I can remember, I have been so passionate about fitness, about movement, about food, about health, about nutrition, and about human behavior. These are just facts about myself that I knew that no matter how much time passed, I was always gravitating towards these things. So therein, 
laid my purpose. I just had to like find a way to, you know, make it like a flow. And, and I started just going down those avenues until I eventually found my program and, and I'm doing what I'm doing right now. But I always ask people, start with what you know. Maybe, it, as I mentioned before, I love butterflies. I love horses. Fantastic. Talk about it so that you're like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm being honest with myself and saying I know this about myself. And just start going down the path of what you know, which is you know that you like these things. You know that you don't like these things. So, okay, you can already start deciding. I'm going to go down this path then. Because if you don't like your job, okay, so you know that, that it's not there. The answers are not there. So go with the path that you know, the things that you know. So start with what you know. On your website and the why, which I think this is a good time to transition into this, you talked about how you didn't feel conventional. You always kind of knew an unconventional path for you was something that I guess deep down resonated. Can you talk about the thing? Because you were in a very corporate type job, but I guess that wasn't resonating with you. So talk about this feeling and how you knew you had to get out. I went down the path of, you know, you have to get into this college. You have to become a doctor or a lawyer. Um, I mean, I've always been a great student my whole life. I was your typical straight A student who somehow managed to have a social life at the same time. And I went down the path. And when I got to college, because I had a great high school experience, but when I got to college, I started, this was when what you just asked me started to hit me, where I was like, hmm, this conventional way of doing things is not making me excited in any way. And there has to be more to life than this. And I just noticed that I kept, you know, going to the beat of my own drum. And the more I did that, the more actually unhappy I got. Because it didn't fit the mold of what was laid out for me and where I was going. And I eventually um, fell into a very deep depression and that lasted for about a year and a half. And now I can look back at that and be so thankful for it because when it was over, I came out a completely different person. And um, I was in the corporate world uh, when, I got, when I came out of my depression um, you know, and, and I wasn't depressed at this point when I was working in the corporate world, but again, it, I was still left with the, there has to be more than this. Just because I'm so good at this doesn't mean this is what I have to stay in. And my breaking point happened when I started to notice that my soul was dying a little bit every single day. And I was like, no, this is, there has to be something else. And the first thing I did do was change my environment. And when I say that, I started to go to events, workshops that had to do with the things I knew, the things I liked, the things that, you know, made, got, got my soul on fire. So I started, you know, just acquiring information and meeting people that were doing things in, in these fields and industries. And then eventually I found, yes.
Would these be like personal development workshop events, women? Okay, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I eventually found my coach, and uh, I have a coach. I've had a coach for a couple years now. Um, I'm not as consistent with him at the moment, but he's always a part of my life, and I attribute a lot to him, especially where I'm at right now. And um, that's, you know, when I met him and I, you know, was being coached by him. And then through one of his events, I, you know, I found someone, one of his friends who was doing the certification that I ultimately ended up doing. And when I met her, it was like the Red Sea parted. And I was like, where has this been all my life? As a matter of fact, it's, it's funny because I was at this, it was a party. It was actually my coach's 40th birthday. And uh, we were, you know, in this beautiful house in, in Miami Beach. And my boyfriend at the time had met this, this woman. And he was, like, talking to her. And uh, she's about 10 years older than me. And, uh, you know, she, you know, I, they're having a conversation. I'm here talking to other people. He comes running to me in the middle of their conversation. Like, he leaves and comes running to me. And he's like, Angie you need to meet this woman. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but what she's told me is exactly what you want to be doing. And I know, I know for a fact, and he, he was right. And I, I went up, he introduced me to her. She told me about it. And it, it's like, I quit my job two weeks later and I enrolled. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's no turning so, back from that point. You're like, I found my, Oh no, no, no. And there were, there were no doubts. It was, I didn't look at the scenario as a scenario that had obstacles. I just kept looking at it as a scenario that had solutions. And it's about creating the the opportunity and creating the the money because people have a a big money story sometimes that kind of holds them back from doing things. Um, But I can, that's a whole another conversation. So I, I, I just made it happen because when you know, you know, and you go. There is a quote on your website that I wrote down. It's really, it resonated with me. It was really powerful. And I'm going to read it to you. And I want to talk a little bit about it. It's the constant thirst for something more that prevents us from being in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll read it one more time just in case. It's the constant thirst for something more that prevents us from being in the moment. What is that thirst? What, is, what are we always longing for, seeking for? Why do we have such a hard time as human beings just settling in the moment and being and accepting what is? Gratitude. Appreciation. Uh, they're concepts that are overlooked, and they've been lost. And because we don't take the time to do that, we always want to be somewhere else rather than here. And I have found that because uh, the gratitude is, is it's a practice. Yeah. It's an art and it's a practice for sure 100%. that you, you, you must cultivate. And um, I've, you know, I've been very big on this the last couple years. And I've seen that the more you are grateful and appreciative, the more that you have to be grateful for. And it makes you appreciate the moment that much more. I have a gratitude that I write in every single day. And some days my, you know, my entry could be one thing or it could be 23. And I have found that since I've started doing that, I will go about my days 
eat whether I'm home or somewhere on a trip or having dinner or whatever and something will happen or I see something and I'm just like oh I'm so grateful for that and then I'll be like I have to write it in my journal and so it just makes you that much more aware of your now and your surroundings so I think gratitude is is highly responsible for keeping you in the moment and and you get to appreciate the moment that much more so you don't want to be somewhere else rather than the present because it's so great. And people ask me all the time, um, Angie, aren't you scared of the future? Like, you know, as an entrepreneur, doesn't it scare you, uh, you know, to know that there's much unknown? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, sometimes there are concerns for sure, but I don't relate to that emotion because my now is so much more awesome than living in, in any type of fear. And I get so excited because I know that, you know, when you're living your purpose and your passion, that's enough. And what comes after always takes care of itself because you're divinely being taken care of by the universe. You're an abundant human being. So is there fear? I mean, maybe at first there was, and I'm sure there, there will be instances future where I will be in fear, but will I let it take over? No, because the present is, is awesome. And I can be in the present because I'm so grateful and I'm so appreciative of everyone in my life, everything that happened, all the good and all the bad. And when you are able to do that, you are able to completely and fully live in, in, in the moment that you're in. You're not thinking about what, what comes next. This instant gratification that doesn't exist for me. <laughs> Tony Robbins is a huge proponent of gratitude. He has a gratitude ritual every morning. He gets up and does a meditation and he does three gratitude exercises, right? But he swears by that, right? Like a lot of his success is yeah. attributed to gratitude, right? And if we're not thankful, it's interesting when we don't look at life through a lens of like beauty, we don't see beauty. And it's that simple. Like when I'm in a good mood, I see things that I don't. You know, you notice things that you normally don't notice, and you see them like this. Exactly. When yeah. you're down, it's like everything looks like shit. Everything looks like awful to you, and it's the viewpoint and the lens that we carry through life that is so powerful. Yeah, you're either going to create a perspective on life that is going to serve you, or it's going to steal from you. It's as simple as that. There's this really cool case study that this reminds me of. There's this book called The Happiness Advantage, written by Sean Archer, and he talks about people. Okay that are lucky. And this is a study that was done in some university. And basically, they asked people before the study, do you consider yourself a lucky person or not? And the lucky people, well, both people were asked to flip through a newspaper. And basically, on like the 13th page or like that, there was a thing saying, if you get to this page and you see it, stop, we'll give you $20 and don't flip the rest of the paper. And then again, on like the 25th page, there was a thing saying like an ad, if you see this, stop right now, we'll give you $30, stop flipping through the paper. And the people that were unlucky basically flipped through the whole paper and never saw the little advertisement. And the people that like deemed themselves lucky beforehand were more likely to see the ad than the people who were unlucky. And it's all point of view, right? It's all perspective. And it's interesting because this is like a case study done in university where they had professional doctors that went through it and it was proven. Wow. I believe it. Yeah. It's really cool stuff. Awesome. Moving on, one thing I want to get into is you do have a principle called bio-individuality. Talk yes. a little bit more about this and how it serves in your business. 
Bioindividuality means that one person's food may be another person's poison. It means that you have unique individual needs and wants that the next person does not have. And it just it means that you are who you are. I'm Angie and you're Philip. And we may, for example, have the same goals, uh, you know, come from the same backgrounds, have the same illnesses that run in our family. We, on paper, we may look similar, but there are these things that make us who we are, our needs and our wants, you know. It's, it's as simple as maybe you like broccoli and I hate broccoli, but we both may want to lose 10 pounds. I'm not going to give a person that has similar goals to the other, just because they look the same on paper, the same program, the same recommendations, because I have to take into account the things, you know, make you tick and the things that don't and the things that you like and that you don't. I'm not going to assign a diet. I don't believe in diets because diets were created as blueprints and they don't take these things into account about a person. So I... Actually, I have to sit there and get to know all the good and all the bad about you so that I know what works for you. I treat you as a bio-individual, which is probably even more so than primary food, a concept that, you know, the healthcare industry today, they, they fail at that. They, it's, for them, it's about volume and, you know, the more patience, the better, you know, the more money, you know, the, no, you need to sit down with this person, which doctors don't have time for and get to know them and ask them the right questions. Because I'm not going to give you a piece of paper that has this diet laid out that, Hey, it may work, but it's not going to be sustainable because you're not going to eat like that for the rest of your life. And even if you lose the weight or you get cured from the whatever, Okay, what about the fact that maybe you were miserable on, on that diet? Maybe, you know, you just, you were willpowering your way through it. That's bringing unwanted stress into your body to begin with. So why not take the time to figure out what foods you really like and what foods you don't like, what ways of working out you like, which ones you don't. There's people that are like straight up, Angie, I don't like running. I don't like lifting weights. I don't like yoga. I'm like, don't do it. There's so many ways to move. Let's let's figure it out together. And then once they do that, they connect to the, the they do the things they connect with. They eat the foods they connect with. Everything starts to change. The you know the game is different now. And so being a bio individual, me treating you like one, that's what that looks like. I take into account what makes you fill up. It goes back to asking the questions and really identifying. Correct who you are and what who you really are and that's where you come in yep good job awesome what do you do for self-love this has been a big chapter in my life over the last 45 days recently i've been diving into really improve the relationship i have with myself because i feel like that's something that's really suffered and i've really taken on this chapter of my life what does self-love look like for angie self-love looks like Practicing self-care as often as possible. It looks like me speaking in a way about myself to others and, and to myself 
that promotes the highest version of myself. Um, those two things are big, language and self-care, because people do not know that these are things that they must pay attention to. So they've been stuck in taking care of others, thinking that that's more important instead of taking care of themselves. And then you start with the, but that's selfish, but I feel guilty. Oh my God, my, my mom clients, I love them so much. They're straight. But they have this thing with mom guilt where I'm like, listen, I'm not a mom, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, I can imagine, but I can, you know, I can only imagine if you do not take the time to take care of yourself and practice self-care, you will not be able to take care of your people. One cannot, I repeat, one cannot operate or serve from an empty vessel. So self-love for me is taking care of myself. And when you take care of yourself, you're golden. And then when you speak to yourself in a way that you're not, you know, self-sabotaging, practicing negative self-talk and asking the disempowering questions, when you, when you speak as if you love yourself, which I do, um, everything changes. You know, you you now, this becomes your reality. This becomes who you are. This, if you talk to yourself as a person who is of garbage or, you know, why am I a failure? I get that all the time. No, if I ever feel like I failed, for example, because this happens often, if I fail at something, I'm like, okay, all that means is that I now have to try another way of doing this. So, What's failure? It's feedback. That's all that it is. So I find that in the way you speak to yourself and the way you speak to yourself about others, it that creates your reality. And my reality is because I love myself so much, I'm going to act, think, speak as if all the time. And I mean, it sounds simple, but you know, you have to practice this. So language and self-care is how I practice self-love and I cultivate self-love. Is this how you've always been or is this something that was a shift after you left the corporate world? When did this happen for you? Mm, I think it's always been this way. I think now it's like ingrained in me, whereas before I would find myself gravitating towards it and because it didn't fit the mold, I would then kind of go back to where I was. So I think it's, I mean, if you notice, I'm a person who doesn't settle and that has caused a lot of pain. So because I don't settle and I know what I want and I feel like I, I've always known because we, we always know if there, if there are two universal truths that I will like mention right now about human beings is that we have the power to choose and we always know. So I've always known this. And I think before I experienced a lot of resistance because I thought that it was wrong to practice self-care or speak about myself in this way. And now it's like, not only am I okay with it, but this is, these are my non-negotiables. Like they are at the top of my list. This podcast is called Your Next Chapter. And I always like asking my guests, what does your next chapter look like? 
My next chapter looks like going back to the chapter I'm on now, which was becoming whole. My next chapter is being whole. Really fully, fully working on becoming whole and putting all your energy into that. Yes. Awesome. We started off with that. I feel we're going to wrap up with that. So that is Perfect. amazing. If people want to find out more about you, hear more from you, where can they find you? My website is the best place, www.angiesanchez.life. I had this super cool short form at, on my homepage where you can just put your name and, and your last name and contact information and schedule a complimentary health coaching consultation with me. And I answer you right away, and we can have a conversation just like you and I had. Um, also, I am on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, it's I am Angie Sanchez. Cool, and I will link all that in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to leave off the audience, anything you want to say before we wrap up here? I think that everyone out there, as I mentioned earlier, needs to become leaders of their own lives. Listen to yourself. You always know. You have the power to choose. Stop accepting your circumstances and start to lead your life. Awesome. Thank you very much, Angie, for your time. Really appreciate it today. My pleasure. It was so much fun. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Andy Sanchez. If you enjoyed that, I ask that you share it or pass it along to one of your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get the latest episodes sent right to you, jump onto my email list at www.philipsprinsky.com or subscribe on iTunes to have all the latest episodes come directly to you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you as a guest next time.